Gravity. A natural phenomenon by which all things with mass are brought towards one another. Stars. Planets. Galaxies. And even light. It is responsible for the complexity in the universe by creating spheres of hydrogen, igniting them under pressure to form stars, grouping them into galaxies. Without gravity, the universe would be an uncomplicated one, composed only of equally spaced particles. Gravity has an infinite range and cannot be absorbed, transformed, or shielded against. In human history, like in the physical world, there is a gravitational pull towards one moment, towards one point in time, orbited by history like planets orbiting the sun. History points forward and backwards to one single point, to one key moment, to one little town, to one unknown family, to one crying baby. Strange how one moment in history, barely a speck on this planet's ages, can leave a footprint that none can fill, can leave a mark that none can undo, can have an impact that affects everything before and since. Everything that came before rushed towards this moment with pregnant expectation. Everything since unavoidably bears its shape. It colors our past, shapes our present, defines our future. Civilizations have risen and fallen. Great men and women have come and gone, but none escaping the impact, the influence of this one moment. Strange how one moment can propel all others forward, how one moment can exert an influence so great that all other moments carry its shape. Strange how one thing can explain so many others, how one point can pull all others towards it and hold them in its influence. Strange, like gravity. The sun has risen and set without fail for millennia. Day and night cycle around with elegant regularity. Seasons run their course with a beautiful predictability. But amidst these cycles of delightful rhythm, our history divides into two, upon one night, 2,000 years ago.
Would you like to stand?
you'd like to, to uh, take a seat. Hello, madam. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, that's so nice. Nobody ever asks how I am. I am fantastic, thank you very much. And all the better for having such a lovely customer as you. Now, before you say anything, I can tell a lot about a person from the way they dress. And you, if you don't mind me saying, are a lady that is all about class. Am I right? I can tell that you appreciate the finer things in life. I mean, that outfit is stunning. Is it silk or satin? It doesn't matter, it's fabulous. Now, when it comes to fragrance, I like to think that that is something you wear. It's like another layer on the outside, but it expresses who you are on the inside. Does that make sense? I really think fragrance can sometimes be profound. Now, I really shouldn't be telling you this, because we haven't had the official launch, and Justine would have my guts for garters if she knew I was letting you in on this. But our new exclusive deserves to go to someone who will appreciate it, and I think that someone is you. Oh. <laughs> this is Subtilité by Jacques. Ah, very subtle. Is it? I think it's quite bright. <laughs> No, the name of the perfume translates as subtlety. Oh, I see. Oh, that's so beautiful, isn't it? Well, apart from the sensational presentation, this will impress at whatever occasion you choose to wear it. Oh, I'm not exactly sure this is what I'm looking for. Oh, believe me, when you've smelled this, you will change your mind. Now, the best place to wear it is on the wrists, behind the ears and behind the knees, Ooh. as these are the scent release zones. And as this is a luxury parfum, this will last all day. I mean, you could go to the gym, go to the chippy, meet the girls for some drinks, and you will still smell of this when you go to bed. Oh, well, thank you for your enthusiasm, um, but I'm actually looking for something as a gift. It's not for me. Oh, well, why didn't you say? We have got something for everyone here, and I really shouldn't be telling you this, but I do have the authority to give you a very nice discount. So if you want to get something for yourself, you know, as a little treat for being so fabulous, I'm sure I can sort you out. That's very kind, thank you. Who's it for? Are we talking spouse, bestie, work colleague, or that special someone you want to impress, and I am very good at keeping secrets. Well, he is very special. I knew it. In fact, he's a king. Oh my goodness, seriously? <laughs> yes. I have got just the thing. In our seasonal range, we have velvet cushion. Um, I... Or what about porcelain throne? Well, I was actually... No, I've got it. Oh, de Corgi. Do you have any frankincense? Frankincense? Isn't that like a really expensive herbal thing? I believe it is very valuable, yes. Well, we don't have any on this counter, but um, that lady over there, she's a bit pale with a hairy leg. She's probably got some. But to be honest, I don't really think it's the thing to impress royalty. I mean, it's more for their sandal wearing brigade. Oh, sorry, no offence. You have fabulous sandals. <laughs> I think it's more of a symbolic gift, I suppose. 
You see, frankincense is obtained from a tree. Now, these trees grow in environments so unforgiving that they sometimes grow out of solid rock. Yes, they cut stripes into the bark of the tree, and the tree bleeds pure white tears of resin. These tears are then ground into a powder, and although they taste bitter, they burn freely, leaving nothing but a sweet-smelling fragrance. And you're going to give that to a king? <laughs> yes, but he's a different kind of king. Well, he certainly won't forget your gift, will he? <laughs> Maybe not. But I have a funny feeling we won't be forgetting him for a very long time. <laughs> Thank you for your help. I'm never going to get my bonus. Yeah. 
like to take a seat. Well, running a B&B &B is a very rewarding job. 
It's also very hard work with long hours and a lot of sacrifice, isn't it, Derek? Oh, very hard work, Daphne. But when you've been doing the job for as long as we have, it just becomes a way of life. We've spent years learning the tricks of the trade and getting to know exactly what our customers want and need. We have a very loyal clientele with very high standards. <laughs> and as my father used to say, if there's a job worth doing, it's worth doing not well, but excellently. What did he used to say, Derek? If there's a job worth doing, it's worth doing not well, but excellently. And it's because of our high standards that it's not out of the question to expect our customers to appreciate that they also have a responsibility to engage in that high standard. I mean, nobody wants to come and stay to B&B &B where they have to tidy up after the other customers or deal with other people's bad habits. Fortunately, Derek is very good with his cleaning and he knows that everything has to be spotless. What does it have to be, Derek? Spotless, Daphne. Now, I am in charge of front of house, which is the most important. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily the most important. It's just more important. <laughs> I am the first point of contact with the customer. So it goes without saying, I need to have a very warm and welcoming demeanor. What do I need to have, Derek? Uh, a warm and welcoming demeanor, Daphne. Now, Bethlehem is a very small village, but our reputation goes well beyond the village limits. We've worked very hard in making sure that everybody knows who we are. I mean, I know for a fact that most people have heard of Shay Daphne. I mean, everyone knows who I am. Isn't that right, Derek? Oh, everyone knows who you are, dear. So, when we heard about the census and that Bethlehem was going to be full to overflowing of people needing a quality place to stay, it was a perfect opportunity to extend our customer base and really make some waves in the hospitality business. So, we got new beds, stocked up on some very lovely local wines, and Derek knocked through some new skylights, because you get 30% more light from a skylight than a regular window. How much more light do you get, Derek? 30% more light, Daphne. Well, it paid off. Within the space of two or three days, we were full to the brim, apart from one room. I was getting very excited about hanging my no vacancies sign out front before everyone else. Well, just before we went to bed last night, a couple turned up. A young, unmarried couple. What were they, Derek? A young, unmarried couple, Daphne. And you will never guess what they had with them. A filthy, dirty donkey. What was it, Derek? A, a donkey, Daphne. A donkey. And not only that, she was pregnant. And just about to drop by the look of it. A young, unmarried girl with a dirty donkey and with child on my doorstep. Whose it was, I will never know. I wasn't going to ask, and I certainly wasn't going to let them stay long enough to find out. He looked very sheepish. Well, I told them we were full, which we were, almost, and they could find somewhere at the other end of the village. Heaven knows what the neighbours were thinking, but there was no way we could let them stay Shay Daphne, the state they were in. Isn't that right, Derek?
Derek? Well, I think we should have let them stay. I beg your pardon. <laughs> well, they had travelled quite a way, and she looked as if she could do with a rest. No doubt she needed a rest. But she wasn't going to get it. She, Daphne, covering dust up the duff and riding on a donkey. Sometimes I think you're really mean. <laughs> Derek, I am going to check on the mutton stew when I come back. I would like your attitude to have changed. Okay. That young girl, she had the baby last night. I went to see them this morning to take them a gift. It was just a little something. He's a smashing little fella. And I'll tell you what, if he ever comes back here when he's older, I'll let him in, and he can stay shade Derek for as long as he likes. <laughs> anyway, uh, best be going, lots to be getting on with. Well, how exciting, only 12 sleeps to go. <laughs> Do you know, I think it's fair to say that one of the things which is so wonderful in the lead-up to Christmas, alongside attending an awesome carol service, has to be the Christmas adverts. The advertisements on television take a distinct turn for the better, and our nation has fallen in love with this phenomenon of the Christian advert, sorry, the Christmas advert. All the big shops are competing to see who can produce the best 30-second piece that's going to warm our hearts stir our emotions, and encourage us to spend our money with them. And it seems the leader in this field is John Lewis. Now, go back a few years, their adverts used to contain actual products, but over the more recent years, advertising experts have started to realize that viewers are most engaged with their adverts when they told a story. So the big breakthrough had to be 2011, when we all fell in love with the story of a little boy who looked forward to Christmas with great anticipation, counting off the days with great excitement, but his excitement, it turned out, was not by the prospect of receiving presents, but by giving a gift to his mum and dad. And ever since then, John Lewis has been tugging our heartstrings with these mini stories about snowmen buying partners' gifts, a toy penguin who finally found his soulmate. Do you remember that one? And this year, a kind little girl reaching out to a lonely man on the moon. Now, I watched, in preparing for this talk, even more of the, uh, the years of John Lewis. And as I watched them all together, I was completely, I'm welling up in tears. I'm almost spilling out down my face. I was so moved by these wonderful little stories. Especially that last one, encouraging us to reach out to someone lonely this Christmas. Now, the reason John Lewis invested a reported £7 million in that advert campaign this year is because they know that the best way to connect with us is not through facts about a product, 
It is through story. We all love to be lost in a story, even just for 30 seconds. And more than at any other time of year, Christmas is a time when we share stories the most. It might be that we'll watch movies with our family and friends or watch the adverts or the Christmas television specials. There's probably some soaps on Christmas Day you're all waiting with great anticipation for. Sitting around, or maybe it's just Grandpa telling the same old story he's told every year for as many Christmases as you can remember. Or maybe autobiographies. You know, around this time of year, it seems that any celebrity worth their salt has an autobiography out. And uh, some celebrities seem to get out several before they're even a voting age. But we love them. We love to buy them, even if we only ever get round to looking at the photo section in the middle. Christmas is a time for stories. But over all these different stories, there is a story that Christians all around the world tell and celebrate every year because they believe it to be the greatest story ever, the Christmas story. So what is it that makes it so great? Is it the fact that it gives us an excuse to dress up small children in dressing gowns and tea towels each year? No? Well, that may help to make the story memorable. But actually, I believe the thing that makes the story truly special is the same thing that really that makes any story great, and that is the author. It all depends on the imagination of the author and their ability to creatively capture their own emotions, their own experience. And the more of themselves they can pour into the story, the better that story is. Now, I doubt that many of you will have heard of this lady. Her name is Dorothy Sayers. She was one of the first women to graduate from Oxford University, first half of the last century. And she was a prolific writer. She was a crime novelist. She wrote a series of books about a character called Lord Peter Whimsey a mystery-solving and most eligible aristocrat. Now, partway through one of her books, Lord Peter meets a woman called Harriet, and there was something about this woman. She was a middle-aged spinster who had graduated from Oxford University and who wrote novels for a living. And inevitably, as the story unfolded, Lord Peter fell in love with this lady, Harriet, and they married. The biggest moment in the life of Lord Peter was when his creator came and inhabited his world. Dorothy stepped into her own story. And now Lord Peter could relate, could understand her, could know her. And similarly, God is the author, he is the creator of our world. It may be no accident that the word history falls neatly into two words, his story. He is present in everything just as an author is present in every part of the world that he or she has created. The wonder of the Christmas story is this incredible plot twist that the author himself became a character and stepped into our story. That word we often use at Christmas, it was in the first line of the first carol tonight, Emmanuel means this, God with us. You see, God, the creator and author that we read about in the Bible, is not a distant God, is not a remote God. He is more like Dorothy says, peering into history, his story, and longing to connect with the characters, that they could know their creator. And God promises through the Bible, time and time again, he would be with his people. He is a God who watches over the world. He's a God who sees its brokenness and longs to bring comfort to his children. 
Now, over the last few months, all of us are very aware that our world has cried out in pain. Wars, earthquakes, refugees, and very recently, acts of terror very close to home have shaken us and left us wondering, where is God in all this? And the Christmas story really is about God's answer to that question. If you read the Bible, everything before the Christmas story builds up to that moment in history. It's like the anticipation that children have, and all of us, we were children once, we had. Uh, you know, the, how many more sleeps till Christmas, and then it comes to the night, and then you wake up at you know, four in the morning, and five, and six, and eventually your parents at seven say, okay, you can rip into that pillowcase full of presents. Same with that, the moment is there. This baby in a manger was the fulfillment of God's promise to be with us. Born as a baby to a teenage girl 2,000 years ago in a little Middle Eastern town. It's a familiar picture, isn't it? But there's something odd about it. Isn't it strange that God, the author of this story, chose to be born into such humble circumstances? Jesus' family was poor. He grew up in a backwater town which was looked down on as the last place that anyone important might come from. I mean, if I was God, I might have thought, well, what about living in a castle or being born in 2015 in a clean maternity ward, wrapped in a sterile blanket in one, inside one of those new water mattress pods you can have now that's heated to an ambient 37 degrees, not plonked in a feeding trough, an animal trough in an age when they didn't even have gas and air for poor old mum. You'd have thought it would make more sense for him to be born as a king or into a family of powerful leaders, into a position in society that would have groomed him for his destiny to change history. But when God turned up in the story, he looked pretty unremarkable. You might say extraordinarily ordinary. Well, why was that? I wonder how many of you saw the video that the BBC recently showed of the singer Adele who played a prank on some Adele impersonators, and she pretended to be Jenny, a nanny by day and Adele tribute artist by night. Let me show you a little edited clip of that. <laughs> you look amazing. Hello, Graham. Hello. No, I'm Jenny. <laughs> nice to meet you, Jenny. She's made me eyes look more catty, and then I've got a fake chin, a fake nose, and she's drawn my lips smaller. I guess you should go backstage and, and get ready for this. <laughs> I'm Gabriella. Oh, Jenny. <laughs> do you guys just do Adele? Mm. Any of us just do you just do Adele? Yeah, I've just started out. I can't wait for the new album though. Mm. New oh, music. Yeah. New music will be so nice. Taking our time. <laughs> Try and say that to her face. <laughs> Love to see the reaction. I would. <laughs>
Wonderful. You can, you can YouTube, you can see the longer version on that. It's fascinating. Adele really belongs, she's from a different sphere from these other Adele lookalikes in the room. She is the original Adele, the real deal. She is the one that they're all just reflections of. In order to relate on their levels, she had to humble herself, as it were, to appear in disguise so that she could become just like them and connect with them very naturally. And the Bible explains this is what Jesus did. It says this, though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Interestingly, fulfilling the words of Adele's song, there's nothing that I wouldn't do to make you feel my love, written by Bob Dylan, worth listening to the whole song, as though that is God's message to you. Jesus gave up his status. He assumed something of a disguise, born in humble surroundings, became an ordinary-looking man, walking around just like us. He ate everyday food. He worked a manual job. He was on the surface pretty normal. And that is just it, becoming like us, allowed him to connect with us in a way that otherwise wouldn't have been possible. From his first screaming breaths in Mary and Joseph's arms to his dying breath on the cross, he gave us his all. You know, if the mark of a great story is how well the author pours themselves into it, there has never been a story where the author gave more and there never will be. But you might think, well, yeah, I know that story, John, but does anyone actually believe it's true, like really true? Many people think, you know, that Jesus was a bit like our own local hero, Robin Hood, based loosely in fact, but you know, who can really be sure? If that's your view, then you're certainly not alone. Uh, a recent survey was just done where four out of 10 people in England aren't sure whether Jesus was a real person or not. That's something we can clear up pretty easily. If we delve into the history books, we find there were three different historians that we know of, all born in the first century, who wrote facts about Jesus of Nazareth, which perfectly corroborate with the accounts that we have in the Bible. Jesus' existence as a historical figure is a concrete truth. In fact, there's more historical evidence, did you know, to support the existence of Jesus than there is to support the existence of Julius Caesar. I think the crux of all of this is not the question of whether he was real, but the question of who he was and whether he was God with us. Was Jesus the real deal or not? The best moment in that Adele clip had to be when she opened her mouth and sang, and one of the lookalikes realized pretty much immediately within about six words, others more slowly. But the reality was that she was the real thing, the real Adele. And in the same way with Jesus, some people only needed to take one look at him. His cousin saw him. He said, there he is. Others never saw it or they doubted it until it dawned on them later, like the Roman soldier at Jesus' crucifixion who realized only after he died. He said, surely he was the son of God. That's the way it's always been with Jesus and that's the way it is today. In this room tonight, there will be perhaps be some who have never really thought about Jesus as being a real historical person. Many others might reckon that he was one of history's greatest teachers. But I want to suggest to you tonight that he was more, much more. 
One verse in the Bible says it this way, for in Christ, that's one of Jesus' descriptions, in Christ Jesus lives all the fullness of God in a human body. And that's the most outrageous claim of this story that actually happened, and it's actually true, that the baby in the manger was God on earth. I wonder what you believe. Do you believe the story is true? makes a big difference, doesn't it, whether a story is true or not. I wonder if that's the reason autobiographies are such popular gifts at this time of the year, besides the fact they're often massively discounted. You can get like 18 for the price of one in W.H. Smith. They give us an insight into real lives, into stuff that actually happened. And they give us an opportunity to connect with celebrities and sports personalities and people we might admire, a chance to step into their story. That's part of our love affair with stories. We long for an adventure that we feel part of, especially a real one. And this is where, once again, the Christmas story trumps them all. Because it's a story not just where the author got involved, not just a story that's true, but a story where we too, the readers and hearers, are invited to play our part. The Christmas story is part of a wider narrative in which you and I are invited to play a role. And I don't mean we have to wear a dressing gown or a, you know, a tea towel or anything. I mean we actually get to be a character in the great big story. This is exciting news. The Bible tells the story of humanity from day one right into the future to the day when Jesus Christ will come again. The story isn't over. It's partway through. And there is a role for every one of us. Now many of us have found our place in God's story some of you haven't yet, and I believe it's no accident that you're here tonight. God wants you to know that you are invited into his story. Many people go through life wishing their own personal story had more to it, wishing that their life was a bit more exciting, had more purpose, had more significance. Maybe you feel that way yourself today. As Christmas approaches, you might be thinking, this is just like signals the turn of another year, the same stuff, the same conversations, eat another mince pie, pour another adult beverage, unwrap another autobiography, you know, watch another Christmas special. And perhaps you're wondering what the point of all this really is. If that's you, allow me to encourage you with this. Jesus stepped into the story to reach out to you. And he has a part for you to play in his story. A part that packs more drama than the best soap, more purpose than the most inspiring biography, and more emotion than the best advert, even the man on the moon one. Christmas is Jesus' invitation to participate in the greatest story ever, and he's just waiting for you to take your next step. Now, if you've got questions about this and you're thinking I've got to make my mind up about who Jesus is I would encourage you to take one of those cards on your seat come back here the last Sunday in January I think you'll enjoy that service and if you're thinking even tonight about you know I've got some questions I would encourage you if you came with a friend to just ask them the questions I'm sure they would be very happy to have that conversation with you for anyone who wants to take this moment this moment right now to accept the offer of Jesus to step into his story and to fulfill the part that he's inviting you to play. I'm just going to invite you, if you would like to, just to pray along quietly as I pray a very short prayer.
And if the words I say really echo what you want to say to Jesus in your heart, he can hear you as you pray that silently. And I would invite you just to do that as I pray now. Jesus, I thank you that you came and entered our story 2,000 years ago. That you came so that we could be connected to God, our Father and the author of history. I thank you for your invitation to me to become part of your story. I want to take a step today and begin to live out the part that you have for me. Please help me to get to know you better as I begin this journey of walking with you. Amen. stand
like to be seated. You don't have to bar. There aren't any people around. You can talk when there aren't any people around. Really? Yes, really. You better not be pulling my leg. Well, it's a bit late now anyway, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I suppose it is. <laughs> have you seen the baby? Have I seen the baby? I carried the baby for the last 90 miles. Really? Yeah, and the mother. She may be young, but she weighed a ton. <laughs> I'm just glad the dad didn't get on too. <laughs> he tried it on when we left Nazareth, but I was having none of it. I'd only had half an apple, a handful of hay and some black olives. I mean, who gives black olives to a donkey? How am I supposed to get the stones out? I've got hooves. Oh, but it was worth the effort, though. That baby's lush, isn't he? You like that sort of thing? Oh, come on. Everyone loves babies. He smells. You're a donkey. Very funny. Well, I think he's fabulous. <laughs> and not only is he fabulous, he's wonderful. Like in the proper sense of the word. Like full of wonder. Well, that's what I was when I first saw him. <laughs> the other night, me and the flock were being watched by night. The shepherds, well, it was a bit odd, really, were washing their socks. <laughs> I mean, who washes their socks at night? <laughs> anyway, the angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around. <laughs> I know, I've never seen a shepherd so scared, but a sheep, oh, sheep can be pretty nervous at the best of times. But when all that singing started, it was like a Malteser factory on overdrive. <laughs> a Malteser factory? Yeah, well, when sheep get no, nervous... No, that's all right, I think I get it. Oh. Well, anyway, after all the excitement had died down and the angels had left, the shepherds got together. And you'll never guess. No, you're right, I'll never guess. They chose me as a gift for the baby. 
what's a baby going to do with a sheep? <laughs> I've absolutely no idea. <laughs> but I'm so excited. Oh, oh. I mean, it's not just any kind of baby, is it? Isn't it? No. Well, I mean, it is a baby, but it's also the son of God. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I knew that, yeah. I mean, that's why they chose me to bring him here. They needed a uh, reliable, strong, dependable mode of transport. That's right. <clears throat> you were chosen <laughs> by God. <laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> obviously, God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? We certainly <clears throat> does. And I have a funny feeling he's going to be doing something pretty special with this little baby. <laughs> Do you uh, want to go and take another look at him? Oh, yeah. I could stare at him all day. He's brilliant. <laughs> Come on, then. Oh. oh, one quick question. What do sheep count when they go to sleep? Donkeys. Oh. So what if everything that we're told it's all about is little more than tinsel furnishing our doubts? What if all the bright lights hanging on the tree just draws our gaze away from what we need to see? What if all the food's so bountifully laid like paracetamol doors and keeps at bay? Things we're not sure that we want to think about. Things that might require us to turn and face our doubts. What if Santa keeps our mind from digging any deeper? What if all the wine does nothing to raise this sleeper? What if Christmas cards just fabricate the truth? That really we're all searching for some sort of proof. That whilst we feel alone, there is hope beyond ourselves. Hope that holds out more than Santa and his elves. Hope that rides the wave of emotion that we feel. To stand the test of time that tastes like something real. Hope that in the end, though all other things fail, there is something that through all things prevails. A love that can't be put out like a flame. A love from which the season boldly draws its name. So look beyond the lights, the parties and all the games. Beyond the nostalgia, the joys and all the pain. Look beyond the songs and the carols known so well. Listen again to the story they tell. Because no one really thinks that it's all about the tree. That it's all about the presence, that it's all about me. No one really thinks that there's nothing more than that. But are you going to look beyond the crepe paper hat? So we've come to the final song of the evening. Why don't we stand and sing it out together?
May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his dear Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you and all your loved ones, wherever they may be, tonight and for always. And the people said,